Hi there. Hi here. Hi there. Oh, hi way over there. Way over there and way over here. Hello there. <laughs> I miss you. I miss you. I miss everything. That sounded dismissive. Uh, that wasn't. I guess I miss you. <laughs> it's all right. I mean, you I can miss, miss you. I miss things. everything. I, it's just whatever. No, I miss That's you. Cool. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm usually pretty good at being a bit of a hermit, so like it's you know it's not too far off from my center. Sure, I mean it's not as far off as it is for lots of people. Yes, and that's how I feel. Definitely, too, including but you. also, but also, <laughs> yeah, you know who, where, what, why, <laughs> any of it, mm. any and all. Oh. So as you know, uh, Don recently downloaded a wonderful app that makes air horn noises. (laughs) Is that all it does? All it does. (laughs) (laughs) For all your air horning needs. Which I mean, I didn't. I didn't know what I was missing out on until recently. (laughs) Right now, you're like, oh, this. I get this. Um, we, there is a new podcast from, um, the people who do Reply All, and I don't remember. Oh, Gimlet. I love Gimlet. Yes. Um, but specifically the guys from Reply All, one of them is very scared of scary movies, and I remember seeing this episode a couple of months ago where he was like, you know what I'm going to do? It's going to be exposure therapy. I'm going to... I'm going to show you scary movies starting with less scary and getting up to really scary so that you aren't scared of them anymore. And so they decided to do it, but they're also doing it as a podcast. <laughs> so I don't know how that's going to work, but the first one's the That's up my alley. Yeah. So that, that Venn diagram is a complete circle. Little things fell through my brain cracks. Aww. How's your brain cracks oh doing? Oh my god, that's cute. Uh, real bad. They're like chasms now. Oh. Mm-hmm. They're chasms. It's like a. You ever see? You ever see the meme of SpongeBob after he hasn't been in the water for very long? No. Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that shit is craggy. <laughs> craggy. <laughs> oh yeah, my brain is real craggy right now. Oh. It's it's so bad. Let's. So I'm ready to get scared. I'm ready to scare ya. Hey, did your lime crime arrive? <gasps> it today? did. It came today. The inside of the box oh is so beautiful. I know, right? This Guys, it's all pink with like big yes. thorny roses on it. It's pretty. Um, I, will... I wish it came with big acrylic stickers. I know. Oh, man. I would put those everywhere. I uh, I will say <laughs> the smell is a little bit more cloying than I thought it might be. <laughs> but... It's great, and you only have to have it on your head yeah. for a little while. And as a bonus, yes, because um, overtone is uh, a mint scent, and as we covered the last time we recorded, Ooh. what does my cat like? Mint. So, Uh-oh. so at least she won't Uh-oh. follow me around while I have my hair color on. <laughs> overtone smells minty. Yeah, it's like got, it's got um, extracts of some stuff in it. Ah, but it's nice. Yeah. It is weird, though, because what I want to do is massage it into my scalp, but that is absolutely not what you're supposed to do. Not what you should do with color. No. <laughs> I know, No, I right? currently Actually, I have um, port wine stains on my hair from when I used a door a couple <laughs> days ago, so. 
if you are if you're craving to just rub something into your scalp, um, Renpure makes a scalp serum that's tea tree and mint and lemongrass, Ooh. and it's real nice. Nice, maybe it's real nice, and it's whatever. It's like six bucks. Yeah, I could. Am I? Uh, I could. I, I could use it? some tingling. I like tingling. Uh, do you want to scare me first, or do you want me to scare you first? I can scare you first. Yay! This is from user. Yeah. <laughs> this is from user are we men or am i devo <laughs> okay i come down to the kitchen for breakfast on a saturday morning my mom and my sister are already up and they look exhausted my mom asks did you sleep all right yeah says i <laughs> says even I. after you yeah <laughs> even after you woke up I woke up. Sometime in the middle of the night, I had started screaming. My mom rushed into my room and found me sitting up in bed screaming, Roy, 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 Roy. She did her best to calm me down while shooing away my pissed off sister who had stormed in to find out what the fuck was going on with me. She asked me who Roy was, but I would only say that he was a bad man. I didn't say anything, but Roy is a bad man. I'm shocked as they're telling me all of this, and they're surprised that I don't remember. But then again, I'm the sound sleeper of the house who can doze through lightning storms. We write it off as some weird nightmare that I don't remember. Years later, I'm off at my first year of college. My mom sends me a videotape in the mail. She didn't mention it before I had left, as in, hey, keep your eye on the mailbox or anything. I press play, and it's my mom taking a video camera through our house. She was moving and sent the tape as one last walkthrough of the now-empty house before she left. It was sweet and a little tear-jerking until she said, So, here's something you might find interesting. (laughs) When she approached a closet in her bedroom. This closet, aside from being the hiding place for all the Christmas gifts, was also always packed full of old uh, old luggage and other odds and ends. You could only go three feet in before you'd have to start climbing on things to go farther. She goes in with the camera, and I see that there are purple crayon drawings on the wall, down at the height where a small child would draw. There are random scribbles, some stick figures, something that may have been a dog, I was already puzzled because I had no memory of playing in this closet, and I don't know how I would have drawn on the walls when they were, in my mind, always covered. Then, the camera comes to a word on the wall. Roy. (gasps) And my mom must not have remembered that night, because she said on the tape, Roy, I wonder who Roy is. What? No. No. That's a twofer. That's creepy children plus crawl spaces. Yuck. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Fart. <laughs> no, I, I mean, also, like, if there was stuff against the wall, but also, like, as a kid, I knew I would have gotten murdered if I had written on the wall in crayon. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine. Absolutely murdered. Which is interesting. Yeah, yeah, that that was was the problem, that that was the bad thing we could do to the house, as opposed to just filling it up with crap until it fell over and rotted, yes. (laughs) But don't, don't you dare write on the walls. No, anything I could have done to those walls would have made it better. 
Uh, well, here's a fun mom story. Uh, this is called Mom by Lieutenant Dan Ice Cream. <laughs> okay. Ooh. Uh, I was raised Southern Baptist. We didn't tell ghost stories around the campfire growing up. We told possession stories, and we believed in them because demons are biblical. I remember having lively debates with my friends about the biblical case for demons and how not believing in them means you don't believe something God said. But I still doubted. It seemed too supernatural, even for a Christian. My mother was an alcoholic, a drug addict, and had a lot of mental health problems that she never got help for. I lived with her my entire childhood and found solace in the church. She had that sort of lukewarm faith, made lots of comments like, God and I have an understanding, instead of doing anything remotely Christian. She didn't keep me from pursuing my beliefs, so I didn't pressure her about her own. One Saturday, I was taking a nap in my room, and I had a dream. I dreamt that my mom came in screaming at me, angry over nothing at all. The dream was very realistic, and I thought it was real until I woke up in my bed. Moments later... She came in the room screaming over nothing at all, just angry and mean, spitting with rage. So I just tried to sit quietly, although I was so confused and frankly freaked out by this weird prophetic dream. I chalked it up to, well, she's mad and yells a lot, so coincidence? And put it out of my mind. Later when my mom called calmed down and I tried to approach her for a calm conversation, she looked at me like I was making the whole thing up. She didn't remember yelling at me about anything. A few weeks later, I was inside watching TV when I heard my mom screaming from the backyard for me to come inside. When I stepped out on the porch, she was standing near the woods holding a huge snake. My mom stood maybe five foot two, and the snake was at least seven feet long. She held it by the tail, not behind the head like I had been taught in science class, and beckoned for me to come and take it from her. My mother had always been afraid of snakes and critters in general, but she held the snake up like she was proud of it. I ran back in the house and stayed in my room. At dinner, I asked her why she was holding the snake. She said she didn't remember anything and told me that I had quite the imagination. I'd rationalized these experiences within the context of knowing that she abused substances and was probably too drunk or high to remember these scenes. But her behavior during these two instances was truly unlike her average altered state. High or drunk, she was silly and sometimes mean but not hateful. These occurrences were strange, and she was more cruel than I was used to. The strangest, though, was yet to come, and I get sick to my stomach thinking about it. I was supposed to be staying at a church lock-in overnight. My mom had dropped me off at 8 p.m. and wasn't supposed to pick me up until 10 a.m. the next day. She was sober and acting normal when she left the church. My friend and I were challenging each other to stay awake all night, and we were writing down... I used to love lock-ins, by the way. Man... Is that a thing? Uh, yeah, it's not just at churches, though. Like, our school had a lock-in, which probably you can't do anymore. But, like, yeah, just spending the night in a place that you wouldn't normally, like a museum or something like we that. We never had a lock-in. What? Ever, ever, ever. Girl, I spent the night at a science museum, and it was, like, the a peak experience of my childhood. It was simply the best thing ever. I can't, like, oh, my God. If Liberty Science Center did that, I would absolutely... Um, hey, you know who does it? The Museum of Natural History, but it's yeah, so it's fucking expensive. Really expensive. I would have to be a make a wish. Real kid. expensive. <laughs> uh huh. My dying wish. Uh-huh. Um, and specifically, like, oh god, um, the gem exhibit at the Natural History Museum. Oh, it's so dark in there anyway, and to just like to curl up with all of the vibes from all of those crazy stones. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Um, Thoughts I have never had. Oh, I love that place. Uh, Okay. Mm -hmm. Lock-ins. 
My friend and I were challenging each other to stay awake all night and we're writing down what time each person eventually fell asleep. Oh, friggin' narcs. That's rude. I stayed up the longest (laughs) and finally gave in at 4.25 a.m. Just as I laid down my sleeping bag, I heard a loud bang on the window outside the chapel where we were sleeping. No one else stirred. I figured a bird had flown into the window. I settled back down and then heard a series of loud bangs, though they were coming in rapid succession, one knock on each window in the chapel. It was like something was circling the church and hitting each window as it passed, but it was moving so quickly there was no way it could have been one person hitting all the windows. My friends started to wake up, confused, and someone suggested it was this church chaperones playing a trick on us. Ours did that too, all the time. Not cool, but happened all the time. Uh, The exits were locked from the inside, and only the pastor had the key. He was supposedly asleep in one of the Sunday school rooms, so one of the kids ran to check. He came back, pastor in tow, (laughs) and the bang stopped as soon as he entered the chapel. We told him what happened, and he said he would go outside to check the grounds. He He unlocked the front door and gasped loud enough to make the rest of us scream in terror. My mother was standing at the front door, looking wild, dirty, and sweaty. She was breathing heavily and muttering under her breath. The pastor asked if he could help her, and she just started past him directly at me. My heart felt like the only thing keeping it from stopping was sheer adrenaline. The last thing I wanted to do was walk out those church doors, but I felt like I had no choice. She didn't say a word. I just gathered my things and walked towards the door. My pastor insisted that I did not have to leave and that I would be safe at the church that night, but I ignored him. She was my mother, and I was terrified of her. But I felt like it was sort of the sort of fear any child would have towards a parent. Uh, I got into the car and she drove me home in silence. When I went to bed, she stood in my doorway, staring at me. <laughs> no. I remember seeing the morning lights rising, off, rising right before dozing off, still with her staring in my doorway. Oh my god. Later that morning she seemed genuinely shocked to see me walk out of my room for breakfast. She said she was just about to leave to pick me up from the lock-in and wanted to know how I got home last night. Oh no. She didn't remember a thing. Oh this poor kid. My mom's behavior. Jesus Christ. Yeah, my mom's behavior could probably be comp- could explained through a combination of substance abuse and mental illness, but even today as an adult atheist, I wonder if something more sinister was going on with her. Mm. Holy shit. Hey, guess what? Pastor, you shouldn't have let her go with you. Come on. No. That's what you should have not done. You should have said no thank you. Oh you should have said God. you don't look like you oh, can drive right now. Oh, that's such a, that's like exceptionally scary. Because, you know, for like a lot of these stories, it is something that happens in their home or around someone that they love. But like when your scary story is about an already real volatile, yeah, uh, unstable caregiver, mm-hmm. shit. Oh my god, that's fucking terrifying. That's good. Okay. Uh, This is from user Just Brian. Between 2006 and 2008, I was a Mormon missionary. My mission was in Utah. And then he writes, yeah. (laughs) Just like, the fuck is the point of having a mission in Utah? Ah! I can't imagine. I have to imagine that that's what that means. That's, yes, of course. That's really, really funny. <laughs> One night in December of 2006, I was serving in Springville, Utah with my companion. We got dinner at a local Mexican place. While we were there, we met a mother and her 16-year-old daughter from Oaxaca. 
my companion and I were both Spanish-speaking missionaries. They began telling us problems that they had been having with a younger 12-year-old daughter who wasn't present. A lot of creepy stuff had been happening, and the young girl had been acting out. They told us how the younger girl would be breaking stuff and screaming nonsense at them. The 16-year-old was terrified and told us about one incident where she was using the mirror in her sister's room to take a picture on her camera. The girl had a sad clown poster in her bedroom. And when she took the picture of herself in the mirror, she looked at it and saw that the clown was smiling. No! No clowns! No! No clowns! She freaked out and deleted the photo and then and from then on would avoid her sister's room at all costs. The younger sister seemed to have no problem with her room, though, and laughed at her mother and sister when they showed obvious fear. The mother and daughter asked us to come over to their apartment and bless it to get rid of whatever spirit they thought was there. I should point out that at this point I was extremely skeptical. As a missionary, you don't really get called on to perform exorcisms like you'd see in movies, and I was pretty sure they were just being superstitious. Nonetheless, we obliged and came over. The young girl, uh, the younger girl was staying at her friend's house, so it was just my companion, the mother and daughter, and another guy who lived next door to them. It's Utah, so like all her neighbors are Mormon, and missionary rules stipulate that two missionaries can't be alone in a home with the opposite sex without another male non-missionary being there. Ah, of course. Mormons! Mm -hmm. When we got there, I felt this immediate sinking feeling inside of their home. The younger daughter's room was visible from the living room. The door was open, and it was completely dark inside. I knew the clown poster was in there, and I was curious to see it. But as I stepped toward the room, the hair on my arms stood up, and I could feel this huge sense of fear come over me. My companion and I spoke with them a little bit more while they told us more about the daughter. The entire time, I could feel this sense of dread emanating from the bedroom behind me. We eventually knelt down to pray. My missionary companion was just going to say a simple prayer, asking that the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, God, etc., be in their house so that they could feel better. About ten seconds into the prayer, my companion stops talking. I open my eyes, and he is sitting there, eyes closed, but he can't speak. His tongue is stuck to the roof of his mouth, and I could see he was struggling to form any words. At this moment... The daughter screamed, and I looked over and saw the mother crawling on all fours, moving erratically forward like she couldn't control her body. You know I hate that. You know I hate that. I do. I hate it, too. Nope. At this second, at this second, all three of us men jumped up and raised our right hands to the square. What does that mean? I wonder, to the square? Hmm? Maybe that's a Mormon thing. It says all three of us men jumped up and raised our right hands to the square. Huh. I don't know what that means. And and simultaneously repeated a prayer that you learn in Mormon temples to cast out demons. Mm. The mother stops and we all sit there shaken up for a few minutes. I'm terrified by this time, though. And my companion and I promptly got the fuck out and never spoke of this incident again. I'm not Mormon anymore. I don't know if I believe in God or not, but I do know that this happened. Wow. Wow. Oh my mm. God. I think I, I think I may have mentioned, it's funny that two, like, I don't know, like the whole exorcism thing. I don't, 
When I was in um, youth group in high school, uh, one of our youth group leaders talked a whole bunch. The very first time that I went on a retreat with, with him and his wife and other people, it wasn't just the three of us. That'd be extra weird. Um, it's a private retreat uh, about exorcisms that he had done wow. and about like walls bleeding and shit. And so, Ooh. you know, that again, there's either two things that happened. Either that guy has seen walls bleed and believes that he helped make those walls stop bleeding, or he's a fucking liar <laughs> and was right. making up ghost Jesus stories for us. So, ghost Jesus. So that's why I'm like, oh, I guess we none of us ever really know anything, right? Like, you never really know what's real and what's not. So, <laughs> yeah. So why bother yeah. trying? No, that's not where I'm feeling like I'm rather fatalistic today, and that's not really what I mean to be. Um, no, that's okay. That's kind of the vibe of the day. Yeah, I've never felt more nihilistic in my life. Really, it's it's just a, it's a. I, know. I think it's weird when you feel weird, but the day is so pretty. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's really gorgeous yeah. outside when you're like, well, this is how I usually feel when it's fifty degrees and rainy. <laughs> it's sixty five and sunny, and I still feel like it. Cognitive dissonance. Okay. Completely. Oh, man. Um, we're going to talk about something fun in this uh, story. It's called The Ad by Friday Friday. This truly Ooh. happened to me. This is a short one. And maybe I should have ca- contacted the police about it, but I didn't. I try not to think about it. When I was in college, I made some money by modeling. Sometimes just letting photography students take pictures of me for practice. Other times I'd work with professionals on fetish shoots. Did you know that cast fetish is a thing? It is. And I once had a very nice crew of cast fetishists come out to my apartment, cover me in fake casts, and take pictures of me for their website. The stranger the fetish, the more money I made. (laughs) Don't yuck someone else's yum. No. And you know what? Um, I actually know people who are like amputee fetishists and things like this. So Mm -hmm. this does not surprise me in any way. Um, But I had not heard of that before. So there you are. All right, one step closer to losing a limb. <laughs> I wonder, yes. I wonder if they want to imagine being in the cast or if they want someone else to be in the cast. Interesting. Hmm. Who knows? I don't know. I've had a cast before. They get real smelly. Well, sh- sure. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's maybe that's part of it. Who knows? They're smelly and itchy and hot. I have not had a cast. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that out loud. Knocking on all the wood, all the wood. This is actually real wood, too. This isn't press board. Oh, fuck. Okay. Anyway, boo-boo. The stranger the fetish, the more money I made. Anyway, one day I saw an ad on Craigslist. Standard creepy Craigslist deal. Amateur male photographer seeking woman uh, willing to pose nude for him to practice his art and also add to his private collection, quote-unquote. It was summer, and my jobs on campus had dwindled down to nearly nothing. I needed money bad, so I replied to this very sketchy ad. Guy wanted me to take a bus to the big city several hours away from the small town where I went to college. Then I would meet him at his studio, and I would be paid $200 to model. He said I could bring a male friend along for safety. He was not expecting anything more than modeling. He promised it would be okay. He was a normal man in his 40s with a professional job, doctor, and just wanted more practice at his hobby. I'm desperate to make make rent. I say, sure, we set a day. Day of, he emails me to make sure I'll, to be sure I'm coming alone. 
I say, no, I'm bringing my friend as we agreed. At this point, the emails are getting weird. I get this feeling in the pit of my stomach that things are not okay with this guy. I stopped replying to the emails and obviously did not attempt to go to the gig. Life went on. Two years later, I'm living in another state, but I just happened to see a news story on Facebook. It was about a trial. A professional man, a doctor, in his 40s, was on trial in the big city for murdering a woman who had answered his ad for a nude model. He had murdered her in a horrible way. Based on the details from news stories, I am certain it was the same ad I had seen, the same man I had emailed, the gig I had almost taken. Oh my god, no. So, that is upsetting to me because I, when I do private modeling, I I don't bring somebody with me, but I make, I make the person let me talk to two people that he's worked with, two women. It's, I mean, if it's a guy, if it's a woman, I probably want references too, but it's a different, it feels different for me. Although maybe it shouldn't. Yeah, but, sure. Um, I have worked and now have a nice professional relationship with a number of people who just started out as Craigslist ads. Um, weirdly enough, not weirdly enough, but FOSTA SESTA has made it impossible to even ask for nude models on Craigslist. So that's not a thing anymore. Um, right. But yeah, no, there's this one guy who we used to get a uh, room at. Um, Shetler, Shetler Studios, RIP. Um, and mm-hmm. he he paid great. Um, and I had another guy that I did photography with for a, uh, an exhibit that went up in some little museum in Brooklyn that was up long enough that I had people texting me to say that they saw me. <laughs> so I thought that was cool. Oh, shit. But no, I, anyway, sorry. Um, Wait, sorry, what? No, that was a good story. No, thank you. Okay. This story is from Herman of Ibigan. Uh, This is a true story and just about the scariest thing that has ever happened to me. Oh, good. A burp. (laughs) (laughs) When I was little, my family had a weekend cottage in the mountains, not far from Stowe, Vermont. Back then, it was still, to some extent, the backcountry and quite unspoiled. Our cottage was surrounded by woods, and there was a gravel road that formed a horseshoe where about seven or eight neighboring cottages were. Oftentimes, there was nobody in those cottages, and we were pretty much alone for miles. Needless to say, nighttime was extremely dark. One summer night, we're all sitting around on the orange shag carpeting, watching Star Trek or something, and someone knocks softly at the screen door. It's a woman wearing a house dress and looking very sweaty and out of breath. I must have been about seven years old. My dad talks to her for a little while as she explains that she needs a lift down to the village. My dad, ever the good Samaritan, says, sure, no problem. Let me go get my keys. I know this one. Mm -hmm. I don't think you've done it. I I have not. I have not. Oh, Mm -hmm. my God. They both leave. I hate this one. I love it. Go on. <laughs> they both leave in my dad's cutlass, leaving my mom, brother, and I sitting, still with the screen door open, watching TV on this warm but pitch black summer night. Meanwhile, my father's driving this woman down to the village a good 30 minutes each way, and he begins to talk to her and pay closer attention to her. He notices that she is barefoot and that her dress is all torn and muddy. She explains that her husband lives with her in a cabin in the woods and that they had a huge fight and that she has run away through the woods since he (laughs) intends to kill her. She has lost her shoes in the woods and run through brambles and branches in her panic to escape. Now, my dad is at least 30 minutes from home. 
And he knows that the first house a murderous guy would encounter as he chased his wife through the woods would be our cottage, where we are all still sitting around completely oblivious with every door and window wide open. No. Cell phones haven't even been dreamt of in this this era, and he has no way to reach us. He drives the woman to some friend's house, urges her to call the cops, and motors back to the cottage, wondering if he's going to be greeted by our massacred corpses. It was a different era, I guess, because it never even occurred to anyone to call the cops just in case. (laughs) I still remember him getting home and calmly, icily locking every door and sitting by the door trying not to convey to us how scared he was. But that's not even the creepiest part, though. A couple of days later, my brother and I were looking around the outside of the cottage and we noticed hand and face marks on the back windows where a tallish person had pressed his face against the glass. We also explored the woods over that summer and actually found the woman's shoes stuck in the mud, as well as their utterly trashed cabin. Someone had absolutely destroyed the place, breaking every glass and picture frame and throwing all their belongings out into the woods. That was one creepy place. We heard later that the woman had committed suicide. For years afterwards, my dad and I would often walk the dog out on the gravel road, and at the turn of the horseshoe that was closest to where this person's cabin was, we would always, always get a really bad feeling. They They were long gone, but the hairs would stick up on the back of my neck, and I would always feel watched and terrified. I always assumed my dad, a common, rational guy if there ever was one, didn't feel scared. But years later, he confided in me that he always hated that spot and felt very bad vibes, a kind of immense sense of foreboding when we walked by there. It's the real stuff that's so hard. Like, can you imagine being that dad and and realizing what was happening and being like, oh, my God, God, I'm doing this nice thing to help this poor lady who was in distress because, of course... Oh, but no, no. Oh, um, <laughs> that's a good new song. It's got a beat, and you can dance to it. It's it's all the rage on TikTok, you guys. You guys know. This is called The Proof is in the Poison by Flada. F-L-A-H-D-A. I would like to hire Edgar to come and read this story. (laughs) Okay, so. (laughs) God, someday I want to see that man perform in person. Oh my God, totally. Uh, Oh, he usually does stuff when they do the Greenwood Cemetery shows for (gasps) um, The Moth. Yeah, he does a lot of those, which I've never been to that either. We'll do that. If that happens in the after, we're going to do that. Man. So this year I can participate. It So for people who don't know, the Jezebel is like story, con, not a contest. It's a contest. Yeah. they Everybody submits scary stories and then they pick them. Um, and so it says, okay, this year I can participate since the main player who would be scandalized by airing the laundry has passed. As background, my mother had me in her late 30s, and her mother, in turn, had her in her late 30s. My mother was the youngest of eight children and had brothers much older than 
<clears throat> than she, which is how I have an uncle who is more than 50 years older than me. <laughs> wow. I went to university in the 80s, the same Southern University that most of my family attended. My sophomore year, I met a senior aerospace engineering student and crushed on him badly. He looked like Peter O'Toole circa Lawrence of Arabia. We'll call him Pete. Walking across campus one day with my gorgeous roommate, we ran into Pete, and I thought I'd show off by speaking to him. This backfired, as clearly he was interested in Rumi, and asked her to come to a game night in his dorm that Friday. Oh yeah, and I was invited too. Boo. The senior engineers, boo. The senior engineers lived in a quad area of older historical dorms, touted as historical, but in reality just old and unrefurbished. <laughs> I understand that. Rumi and I went. There were about 12 people in various board games, uh, board and drinking, and board slash drinking games were played. <laughs> Fun times, even though I was still crushing on Pete unrequited. Partly through the evening... Uh, Rumi took a sip of beer and said, gross, dang guys, who put Pepsi in my beer? The guys laughed and said, oh, probably our ghost. They went on to tell her that they would come back to the room and find all the books on a shelf turned around, spines in, whoa, or that everything in the medicine cabinet would be out and laying on the sink. Food would be, (laughs) food left out would be covered in salt or pepper, silly prankish things and stuff moved around that they finally had attributed to a ghost. I said out of nowhere, maybe it was my Uncle Bennett. Silence. I couldn't have stopped the party any better if I had dropped a fart in the middle of the room. (laughs) Feeling uncomfortable, I just kept talking to cover it up and said that my uncle, Bennett, last name, had attended the school in late 30s, early 40s, and had been the victim of an unfortunate accident. He used what he thought was mouthwash that turned out to be something else entirely and died due to the poisoning. (laughs) Pete told me to come over to his closet which was really more of a built-in armoire closet shelving unit. Carved into the rolled wooden edge of the shelf on the left at about eye level was the name Bennett, last name, my uncle. Oh, fuck. She was like, maybe my uncle is haunting you. And then he was like, oh, yes. Here's the name of the person you just Oh, my God. Now, that would be spooky enough, but there's more to the story. Pete and Rumi started dating, and they started investigating the the ghost of Bennett. When they went to the records office in the university, they found that his roommate back in the uh, the day was a guy named Matthew, same town as my uncle, and then they checked the university microfiche newspaper archives for info on Matthew, so maybe they could talk to him. Turned out Matthew had died a few years previously in prison, where he was serving a life sentence for the murder of his wife, Dorothy. Murder by poisoning. Dun-dun-dun! What? Ma! <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. What's up, Bennett? You got, you got stuff to do. This from user Vulvasaurus. As a prelude to this story, let me state that I'm agnostic about ghosts. I've had some experiences that could have been ghosts, or it could have just been me tired and jumpy. This experience, though, made me put a little bit more in the believe in ghosts column. My last job was at a sex store, and it was a bitchin' job. During one of the first nights that I was working the store by myself, shit kept jumping off the shelves. I was helping a customer in lingerie when across the store, one of the tester vibrators crashed onto the floor, charging dock and all. No! (laughs) Later, I was rehanging lingerie, and I heard the DVD rack screeched a bit, even though I was alone at that point. 
Close to closing, a customer and I were looking at the Lilo shelves. My customer wanted to pick up a box, but before she got within six inches of it, four boxes dropped off the shelf and fell to her feet. Mm. It was fucking weird, and I got a bit freaked out after I locked the door and started counting my till. I chalked the feeling that I was having being watched up to the heebie-jeebies and being new and went home. The next day, I was working with my store manager, and I told her about how everything seemed to want to fall the night before. She said laughingly, oh, that's just Herbert. He likes to fuck with the new girls. <laughs> uh, I asked her who the fuck Herbert is, and she explained that it's the store ghost. The old assistant manager named him Herbert the Pervert as a joke that stuck. <laughs> My manager said that Herbert was harmless and not to worry. To think of him as a ghost dude who just wants to keep us company and occasionally fuck up our visual merchandising. <laughs> After a while, I started talking to Herbert a bit. When yet another dildo was thrown off its peg, I'd say, Jesus, Herbert, like I don't already have enough to do around here. <laughs> if I tripped on my own feet, something that happened often, I'd say, you didn't see that, Herbert. It eventually <laughs> became normal, and I didn't think much about him. Until one day, about a year into working at the sex store, a customer came in that I hadn't seen before, and neither had my coworker. Not a big deal. We got new people a lot. He was looking kind of nervous, glancing every which way. We also get that a lot, either from shoplifters or people so ashamed to be looking at fleshlights. <laughs> <laughs> I walked over to him and asked him if he was okay, what he was looking for, blah, blah, blah. He didn't answer my questions, just stared and stared. I stared back, not knowing what to do. Finally, he said, there's a ghost in here. You, you have a ghost. He was turning a bit white. I say, oh, yeah, that's just Herbert. He's cool. Don't worry. I was hoping that would put the customer at ease, but it had the opposite effect. No. He started shaking a little bit, and I was alarmed. I was about to go get my coworker because I was way out of my depth when the customer yelled, That's not his name! and hauled <gasps> ass outside the store. Oh, no! Oh, no! I didn't know whether to be freaked out or laugh or be mad about a lost sale. My coworker came up to ask what the fuck that was all about when, as if on cue, our fleshlight display toppled over and bounced onto the floor. I laughed like a maniac and didn't stop for ten minutes. <laughs> oh my god! Haunted, haunted dildo. Right? I felt on brand. Listen. Listen, if I was going to have to be a ghost somewhere and I knew that what I could do was fucking throw dildos at people all day. That's oh, my exactly God. And people do. watch in one of the most fascinating places on Earth. Yes. Yup. Ooh. What a great place to be invisible. Right? Jeez. Yeah. Oh, my God. Also, like, I like that there was, like, a product placement for Lilo in there. What, what? I know, right? <laughs> oh, those are some Cadillac-ass vibrators. Not ass vibrators. I mean, probably ass vibrators. All, maybe also. Probably that also. That was the, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I could do, let me find a more quickie-quickie one. And if you're up for it, I want to end with a fucking scary one. Oh. If well, why don't you for it. just do just do another scary one because I'm not like super in love with any of the other ones that I have. Oh, okay. All 
All right. Yeah. So, are you okay with that? Yeah, yeah, I'm okay. Okay. All right. Okay. So this is this one is creepy as fuck. In 2010, I had the distinct pleasure of heading to a conference for work in Baltimore with colleagues I couldn't stand. Blessedly, I no longer work there. My boss made it a point to stress repeatedly that we should find the cheapest hotel rooms possible, so I got my own room at a hotel separate from theirs. When I arrived, I was impressed at the historic vintage decor. Yelp had warned me that the hotel was dingy, but I could see (laughs) its once opulent splendor. Dingy is such a specific word, especially when used for a hotel. (laughs) Absolutely. When I checked in, the clerk asked me if I minded a corner room on one of the higher floors. I thought that was a strange condition to check with me about, but I didn't mind. My room was tiny, but comfortable and well-furnished. That first night, unable to sleep, I decided to walk around the hotel because why the hell not? I could have watched TV or surfed the web, but no. At 2 a.m., I thought wandering around the hotel was a brilliant idea. I decided to take their very retro elevator up to the top floor and check things out, thinking that there might be some nice views. I could go as high as the 19th floor when there were 23. I step out of the elevator and immediately I notice the air is thick and heavy. I walk around and see some signs for ballrooms, a few stacked banquette tables and chairs, but nothing terribly remarkable. It was well lit, just like any other hotel hallway. Between the carpeting and lack of windows, there was a vacuum of sound that felt unnatural and had my sense of hearing eerily heightened. The hallway was a circular path around the elevator column, so I followed it around. A half a dozen steps after I turned the first corner, I felt every hair of my body stand up. I heard the faintest rustle of fabric and soft footsteps, and I instinctively turned my head, and of course, no one was there. I picked up my pace around the next corner, and the footsteps did too, only now I could discern that it was multiple pairs of feet. I turned again, and mustering up every ounce of courage I had, calmly said to the heavy, empty air, I'm sorry, I must have gotten off on the wrong floor. I was just leaving. My apologies. <sighs> I was speedwalking to the elevator around the last turn. While, no! I, while I couldn't hear the footsteps anymore, I could feel someone just about up against my shoulders with how <laughs> no. close they were. I smashed the button for the elevator and it opened immediately. I run in. I press the closed doors button repeatedly and finally they begin to shut. But before they do, they stop as though a hand has caught the door. Frozen, I feel someone walk into the elevator despite looking at thin air. I got a heavy scent of cigar and cologne. Now you're in the elevator with a ghost. As the door is closed, the feeling of another person in the elevator car dissipates, as do the odors. Freaked right the fuck out, I go down to the lobby. I chat up the desk clerk and I casually ask, has anything weird happened in this hotel? The 19th floor specifically? The clerk's face dropped. Ma'am, she said quietly, I just don't go up there. And I wouldn't if I were you. I tried to probe her for details, but she wouldn't reveal specifics, just that, quote-unquote, people been saying they seen things sometimes. And then she had things to do in the office. (laughs) I took the hint and went back up to my room on the 14th floor. I pressed the button for my floor, and finally, feeling the adrenaline dump, doze for just a half a second. When the doors open, 
I notice the wallpaper looks wrong. And I awake to the horror that this isn't my floor. I look Wait, at the, is she saying that she fell asleep while she was in the... I mean, you know, like you let your eyes rest for a sec. Oh, okay. All right, all right. I look at the button panel and I see that somehow I'm back on the 19th floor. No. I smash the closed door button and the 14 over and over. I get just a whiff of cigar as the doors close. The elevator then inexplicably descends to the 10th floor, opening to an empty hallway. Finally, I get off at my floor and I book it to my room. A quick Google search revealed that in 1929, after the stock market crash, dozens of investors now in financial ruin leapt to their depths from the uppermost floors of the Lord Baltimore Hotel, particularly from corner rooms, and especially from the ballroom terraces on the 19th floor. Ugh. Many guests have, report, have reported hearing sounds like footsteps and seeing apparitions throughout the hotel and an elevator with a strange affinity for the 19th floor. Some have reported seeing a little girl, otherwise a couple in formal dress. I shut my computer, turned on the TV and all my lights, deadbolted my door, and slept sitting up in bed because I was too creeped out to lay down. <laughs> Needless to say, I didn't really sleep at all that trip and made it a practice to go straight to my room from the lobby and back with no diversions as quickly as possible. I hear it's since been sold and recently renovated. Would I stay there again? I honestly don't know. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad nothing really bad happened, but can right. you, like, when you feel like someone's there. Oh, my God. Whoa. I, oh, my God. Uh, and, like, I can't with the elevator only going to the haunted floor. Like, no. And then something holding the door. <laughs> oh. No. No. Son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, uh, God. Oh. Man, oh, man. Fuck buddies, we like scaring you with things that are uh, that are safer to scare you with than a global pandemic. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's it's a relief, right? <laughs> I like forgetting about all the other dumb crap for yes! at least a little bit every day. Yes, I would so much rather pour over hotel ghosts, honestly. Yes. Yes. Ugh. Please murder me. I uh, I picked a zit on my double chin. Oh no. On my neck chin. Oh, yeah. No. It's terrible because it's never, it's just going to be there forever now. And I should have just not touched it. No. But it was when you were telling the scary story. And I was like, I have to pick something. Oh, no. Oh, come on, Adderall. <laughs> <laughs> come on, Adderall. <laughs> oh, no. Do you have grease lightning? Oh, I have stuff. It's, it'll be fine. I um, have actually that been Sabine using this. Sabine will lick off your face. Yes. Um, I have this Queen Helene mud mask that's been drying things up oh, really quick. Oh, I used to yeah, use yeah. that. That mint julep mask, maybe? No, I like the mint julep, too. This one has a rose scent to it, and it's like a um, beige Ooh, kind of color. Yeah, sure. it's. I'll send a picture of it to you later. I still have, I love me some Queen Helene. Um, I like the cucumber peel-off mask. That used to be my jam. Oh, yeah. Wow, I haven't used those in a million years. They were good, I though. haven't either. And I've had, I mean, I've had this bottle for who knows how. Yeah. You're using my Magnum <laughs> tea, right? I sure am. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. <laughs> but that's hard to do spot treatments with because it has chunks in it. Yes, it's real chunky. Yeah. Chunky, yeah, chunky. funky. <laughs> Just like us. Just like us. <laughs> I love you, Funkalicious friend. 
I love you. I love all our fuck buddies. Yeah, I love them too. Um, guys, stay well. Be well. Um, I mean, everything's not going to be okay, but but we're here. <laughs> we're here. I'm still here. <laughs> Oh, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to rewrite the lyrics to that for our trying times. Good times and bum times. I've had them all in my dear. That's, that's it. That's the, that's the end of the story. That's it. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's the it. Sweet. I don't know. What were you guys expecting? <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> okay, bye. I love you. I'm just kidding. Bye. <laughs>